From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. This week, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers talked to North Texas politicians on both sides of the aisle just days after the election. First, Republican State Representative Matt Krause, who was re-elected to his Fort Worth-based district on Tuesday, and then Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, a Democrat. Later, Rice University political science professor Mark Jones discusses what went wrong for Texas Democrats on Election Day. First, let's zoom out a little bit. After elections, officials spent several days counting thousands of early and mail-in votes in key battleground states. NBC News projected Saturday that Democrat Joe Biden would become the 46th president of the United States. But Biden didn't fare as well in Texas as many polls had projected. While he improved on Hillary Clinton's margin against President Trump from four years ago, he still lost the state by six percentage points. Some projections listed the race as a toss-up. Meanwhile, Senator John Cornyn cruised to his fourth term in office, and Republicans held their ground in the state House of Representatives. So, the Texas GOP will return to Austin in January with control of the House, a chamber Democrats targeted in this year's election. Democrats targeted several seats in Tarrant County, but Republicans Krause, Tony Tinderholt of Arlington, and Craig Goldman of Fort Worth were all re-elected, and two more Republicans were elected to open seats. Jeff Kaysen in the Mid-Cities, and Mansfield Mayor David Cook. In Dallas County, where there were only two GOP-held House seats left last session, Republican Morgan Meyer was re-elected, while Angie Chen Button led Democrat Brandy Chambers by over 200 votes. And finally, in Collin County, Republicans Matt Shaheen and Jeff Leach were both re-elected. State Representative Matt Krause represents District 93, an L-shaped district that begins in North Fort Worth, runs south along I-35W, then runs east along the south side of State Highway 121. He was elected to his fifth term in the House last week, defeating Democrat Lydia Bean by about 10 points. Here's Kraus with Julian Gromer. Fort Worth Representative Kraus joins us this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. The road to flipping the House went partly through Tarrant County. How did everyone hold on to their seats? Oh, man, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication and being prepared. I know Gromer and I have talked about this in the past, that 2018 was a wake-up call. And uh, ever since then, that November day in 2018, all of us knew we were going to have to get ready to run hard in 2020. So we did that. We worked hard. And uh, thank goodness we had a lot of good results. Representative, how much did the pandemic play a role in this election in terms of I know a lot of Republicans got out there and campaigned in person. A lot of Democrats did not. Did the ground game help you guys in that respect? I think it did. Uh, and, and each campaign had to come up with their own idea of how they were going to do that. But we looked at it and said, you know what? We can wear masks. We can socially distance, but we can go to the doors. And I really do think, I, I know all five of the Tarrant County folks that, that hung on the other night, uh, we're hitting the ground hard for months. I know we started in August and worked all the way up until literally election day. And so that was a huge advantage I think we had over our opponents. Uh, they weren't out there knocking on the doors and as much TV, as much mail, as much uh, social media as you can do, nothing beats that one-on-one -on -one interaction. And I really do think that gave us a, a big lift and a big advantage uh, come election day. How do you explain Joe Biden potentially winning Tarrant County but all the five targeted uh, Republicans in House uh, in state House seats won. 
It really is interesting. And, and as we get the final numbers, it's going to be very interesting. But as you said, it looks like Joe Biden might actually win Tarrant County. But you have the person, the race right under them, John Cornyn and MJ Hagar. John Cornyn got about 40,000 more votes in Tarrant County. And so did our Supreme Court justices, our court, uh, criminal court of appeals, our local judges, our sheriff. Uh, and then you had the state house races that all broke the GOP's way. So uh, that top of the ticket will be interesting, but Tarrant County, from a Republican standpoint, had a strong turnout uh, with every race under that. You are supporting Representative Dade Phelan for Speaker of the House. Are you confident that's a done deal? Yeah, it, it's pretty much a done deal. I was at a meeting uh, earlier this week with the Republican caucus where the remaining few who weren't supporting uh soon to be Speaker Phelan uh, at the time, all got behind him. So now he has pretty much the entire Republican caucus support. He's got uh, over 50 members of the Democrats, um, Democrat Party support. So uh, the numbers are there. It, it's a done deal. And, and he will be holding the gavel come the beginning of the 87th session. How was he able to do this? How was he able to get this coalition and the support? You know, uh, he's had he's done a really good job of cultivating relationships since he came into the chamber. Uh, he and I have had a great relationship because he works hard. Uh, he's honest. He's transparent with you. And I think a lot of members saw that. And then there was a, a big group that kind of rallied around him at the beginning of this week, uh, even before the election happened on Tuesday and said, you know what, Dave, we think you're the man for the job and we want to see that happen. And once you have about 40 or 50 names of people committed to you, uh, that snowball starts picking up steam pretty quick. And so he did a great job um, uh, reaching out to the members, asking them for support. And uh, because of his past performance and, and the way he wants to run the chamber, uh, I think people validated that and are excited to uh, go into the session with him as the speaker. So what will be different between uh, the new speaker, the presumptive speaker, and the existing speaker, Dennis Bonham? Yeah, and, and that's a great question because you never know uh, how somebody's going to be till they're actually in that role. Um, but uh, soon to be Speaker Phelan and Speaker Bonin are, are just different people, different personalities, approach things from a different perspective. And so um, I, I, there will be some differences. Uh, Speaker, soon to be Speaker Phelan has said, I want this to be a member driven body. Um, I want you all to be working. I'm going to call the balls and the strikes and keep things going. Um, but it's not going to be a, a top-down approach. He's going to let the members work, and, and I think that's great. That's what we all want to do. We were sent to Austin by our constituents. We want to work for them, represent them, and make sure that we can get good things done for Texas. What do you think, Representative Krause, is the top priority this year for the legislature? Oh, uh, the budget is the only thing we constitutionally have to do, and this time with the pandemic, uh, coupled with some of the things that happened with the oil and gas world during this year, uh, that will be obviously the main thing that we're going to have to deal with. And then you also add to that redistricting. Once every 10 years, we have to we have to figure that out and figure out our lines and how we're going to draw our maps. So between the budget and redistricting, that's already a full plate. And we usually have about six to 7,000 bills on top of that. So we'll have to see how much oxygen is in the room after we finish the budget and redistricting. But those are definitely the two headliners going into the 87th session. You talked about the budget. You talked about redistricting. Redistricting can be a contentious issue. You know, we're coming off, you know, a, a really tough election. Do you think you guys can get together with Democrats and work some things out and have a productive session? 
Yeah, I do. Maybe it's just the optimist in me, but uh, I think Texans have always risen to the challenge, and we, and we do have some very big challenges ahead of us, and Republicans know that, Democrats know that, and so I think there is kind of a sense of, okay, Tuesday's gone. We know the playing field. We know the players. Uh, let's get to work, and uh, I, I know there's lots of folks wanting to do that, and it's not just Republican versus Democrat, from what I understand of redistricting. It's also intra-party uh, politics as well. And so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it can be contentious and, and it can be tough. But um, again, I'm optimistic that Texas can rise to the challenge and uh, the people in the 87th legislature can make some decisions that are good, not only for this session, but for the future of Texas as a whole. With an ongoing pandemic, do you think the legislature will meet in person this year? I hope we do. And as uh, often as I'm asked, I'm going to say that we should. Uh, teachers are going back into the classroom. Our healthcare workers have been going to work every day, even during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. We've got people in grocery stores. We've got people in restaurants. Everybody's going to work. And if they are, then we need to be. And so I'm a big advocate of making sure that uh, when the people's house is open, we need to be there and the public needs to be there as well. And so I do think we'll meet in person and I hope we do. And I'll continue pushing for that. Representative, before we let you go, are you concerned about that many people being in a space together? Well, I, I think you're going to have to take precautions. It can't be just like it's always been, unfortunately, and, until we have some kind of vaccine or kind of breakthrough with this. But uh, I think we can put in protocols. I think we can be safe. And I think we can allow uh, the public to continue to be part of the process. After all, uh, it's the people's house. We work for them. They don't work for us. And so they need to be a part of that process. We may have to have fewer people in a committee room. We may have to have certain uh, restrictions, regulations on, on uh, some things. And different members might have different thoughts on what they want in their offices. Uh, so that could be a little different. But what shouldn't be different is the people having access to their house uh, as the people of Texas are going about their work. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you all. Have a great day. On the other side of the aisle, as mentioned, Democrats did not have the night they expected to in Texas. Congressman Colin Allred was elected to a second term, and Dallas County went overwhelmingly for Biden. But other than that, there were few wins for the party on Election Day. Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins has become one of the most recognizable elected officials in North Texas first for his handling of Ebola, and more recently with his response to the coronavirus pandemic. He talks about how Tuesday's results impact his job moving forward. Let's turn our focus on the Democratic Party with Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be with you. Judge, let's start with this. What went wrong for Democrats in many cases? I think the Republicans did a really good job of turning their vote out. And, uh, you know, we saw this across the United States. Uh, Democrats lost seats in the House and uh, didn't do well in state house races in any of the 50 states. Uh, the positive, though, is, te is Texas has gotten more competitive. Uh, the president won by six points this time, nine points last time. And uh, younger people are making it to the polls, and we're getting a, an electorate that is uh, you know, more moderate, and that bodes well for the future. Right now, though, we've got to turn our attention to governing. The Democrats aren't happy what happened in the state house. I suspect the Republicans obviously aren't happy uh, in the presidential race, but we've got to come together, focus on those things that unite us as opposed to those that divide us, and uh, get together and follow the science and fight COVID. Judge, it looks like the presidential race will be a silver lining and a big silver lining for you. Uh, there's still, of course, uh, maybe lawsuits and the vote hasn't been certified yet. That's going to take some time. 
But what are you hopeful for in a change of administration, uh, you being a local official that's dealing with everything from COVID to, to whatever issues that, that are facing county governments? Yeah, you know, I had a call from uh, the Biden team uh, on Wednesday, and uh, they wanted to talk about COVID, what, what they could do to help, and how we work together on that. And I've yet to have that call from the Trump administration. So we're going to be looking at right from the get-go, what can we do with the CDC and the, the Biden administration to keep you more safe? And my hope is that the governor who followed us in the beginning, you know, followed uh, me and other local leaders in the beginning, and then switched to follow Trump later, will now follow the science and President Biden, who I think will be a strong leader on COVID and can bring this nation together so we can uh, get this uh, COVID disaster behind us. Judge, update us on where we are in Dallas County in terms of the pandemic. You know, we're not in good shape at all. Uh, our numbers are, are on their way to being as high as they were at our peak in July. And, and that's gonna coincide with Thanksgiving and then the colder weather when more and more people are forced inside. And so if, if we don't change our behavior and get back to doing the things that we know how to do, Julie, we just need to do them. And I know you do them, but uh, we need to, as a group, we need to, to not do the things that we understandably want to do in getting together. But we need to avoid those crowds and wear that mask. If we do that, we can turn this around. If we don't, we're gonna have a dark winter and a tough spring. Judge, you mentioned Thanksgiving. That's right around the corner. What is your advice for families who want to get together and celebrate uh, this popular holiday? Well, we're going to need to do it in smaller groups. We're going to need to do it uh, spread out. And, um, you know, use your Zoom, use your, uh, uh, your other me methods to reach out to the larger family. But we've got to avoid those large gatherings because we're seeing increasingly that the spread is coming not from people going to bars now, but which th that is happening still, but we're seeing it happen in homes where people say, let's get together um, and uh, let's have a, a party at the house. And unfortunately, that, that spread happens there just like it does everywhere else. Now, the Republicans will maintain control of the House. How do you think that will affect local governments? In fact, Republicans will have the House, Senate, and the governor. Yeah, you know, the Republicans have said they want to make it a, a priority to fight with and strip powers from the local government. Hopefully that is campaign rhetoric, and now what they'll focus on is working with local government uh, to help us fight COVID as opposed to be roadblocks uh, in the fight against COVID and to help us do the things that are the quality of life issues that you care about uh, that there really have not been much help on. Uh, you know, there's a real chance in this next legislative session for us to look at a way to ensure more people. I think COVID, if COVID's taught us uh, one important thing, it's that when you have a bunch of uninsured people, it is a threat to everyone when, when people don't have good health coverage. So let's come together and find a way to get more coverage to people who work for a living but are shut out of being able to afford health care. Judge, what do you think the impact of, of Trump if he indeed is not president anymore in 2021, what will the impact be on, on, on sort of ending gridlock and governments kind of working together, uh, elected officials from both parties? Well, I'm very hopeful that um, you know the, the parties will be able to work together. Um, it, assuming the Republicans uh, uh, maintain uh, the Senate, then it's going to be up to Mitch McConnell. Uh, to not make his goal to stop everything 
that the president uh, is doing. You know, we're in a national emergency right now with COVID, and we need to work together on that. There's not a Democratic COVID or a Republican COVID. They're just a relentless virus looking for a host. So we've got to come together on that. And then the effects that that's had on our economy, that is not affecting Democrats or Republicans. It's affecting everyone. So they've got to come together on that. Uh, and then my hope is that they will. And in, and in terms of, Judge, of a relief package, what do you hope to get out of that if Congress can, can get together and pass one? Well, clearly our small businesses uh, uh, need help, right? That's, that's one thing. And then we need those stimulus checks to continue to individuals. We need the unemployment supplement uh, to be renewed uh, so that people are unable to, to uh, work during this economic shutdown. They work at a restaurant or something uh, that's shut down and not, not really doing well. Um, they're, they're able to feed their families. Uh, then we've got to look at the things that we need in government uh, to keep you safe. You know, it's expensive to, to do all the things that we're doing now to keep you safe. We need to replenish uh, that as well. But really my focus is on the individuals and the small businesses because that's what really drives uh, the vitality of North Texas. Judge, in the short time that we have left, what are you hoping you get from the legislature when it comes to the pandemic? You know, what I'm hoping is that they continue to recognize that the, the best way to deal with uh, emergencies is to look at it locally at the local level and uh, allow us the flexibility to work with our local doctors and hospitals to do the things that are necessary to keep you safe, like we were able to do early on in this pandemic uh, when the numbers were going down. When, when they pull that away, the numbers have shot up. Every time they do something contrary to science, the numbers shoot up and more people die unnecessarily. Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, thanks so much for joining us. Mark Jones is a political science professor at Rice and a fellow at the university's Baker Institute for Public Policy. His research focuses on the effect of electoral laws and other political institutions on governance, representation, and voting. Here he is with Julian Gromer. Joining us for some bonus time, Mark Jones, political science professor from Rice University. Mark, thanks so much for being with us. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks. What an election. Let's start with Texas, then we'll make our way through. Democrats really had high hopes to flip the House, and they just, they didn't. No, not at all. Uh, the Democrats were hoping to uh, have a net gain of nine seats to take a majority, and in the end, the net gain was zero seats. Uh, they won One seat was held by a Republican, Ann Johnson defeated Sarah Davis down here in Houston, but just to the west of that district, Mike Schofield defeated Gina Kalani. So at the end of the night, after Democrats, you know, spending quite a bit of money, probably approaching 60, 70 million, uh, it was still 83, 67, the same place it was uh, before the night started. So Mark, it looked teed up for Democrats, not just to, to take the House, which is, I think that was their number one goal, but there was talk about, you know, MJ Hagar at least giving John Cornyn a better race. And the polls showed a margin of error race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And then there was this big turnout, bigger than normal turnout, which some theorized would help Democrats. What happened? Is Texas just a red state? Yeah, I think, I think Texas is a red state and every action generates a reaction. And the Democratic success in 2018 caught Republicans by surprise. But this time in 2020, they were not caught by surprise. Ever since 2019, particularly with the leadership of Greg Abbott, 
Republicans have been preparing for this election. They recruited top tier candidates to run in the races or most of the races that they lost back in 2018. And then they provide substantial funding to their most vulnerable incumbents. And that allowed them to go on the offensive as well as be prepared on the defensive. Now Democrats matched, but what we saw is while Democratic turnout rose, so did Republican turnout. So yeah, the old adage that we're not a Republican state, we're a low turnout state. Well, even when we're a high turnout state, we do appear to be a Republican state. In that way, Donald Trump is sort of a double-edged sword for Republicans that while he did pull them down, that is, Republicans performed worse in, you know, are much worse off now than when Trump arrived. He did, at the end of this race, mobilize his people to get out to match the Democrats, something that wasn't necessarily done back in uh, 2018. And so in the end, Democrats sort of hit a wall. Now, they didn't go backwards, really. I mean, at the right. market, maybe a little bit. So if we use 2018 as the benchmark, Democrats didn't make any progress. But if we use 2016 as the benchmark, Democrats are a lot better off than they were before Donald Trump arrived. So was 2018 an anomaly or no? Well, I think 20, 2018 we might look back on as at least a current period high watermark for Democrats. Uh, things are probably going to get a little worse for them before they get better for a couple of reasons. Uh, for the past, uh, at least in 2018 and this year, Democrats had Donald Trump to campaign against. And that allowed them both to mobilize people who might not otherwise have turned out, but also to pull over some regular Republican voters who were really dissatisfied or disgusted with Donald Trump. Uh, with the national elections looking the way they are, it looks like we're going to have Joe Biden in the White House, which means the ability of Texas Democrats to campaign against Trump will no longer exist, or at least it'll exist in a more mar modest manner. They can still campaign against him, but it's a lot easier to campaign against him when he's uh, president of the United States. Also, what's going to hurt Democrats is that because they were unable to flip the Texas House, all this really only applies to U.S. House races, because uh, Republicans are going to have carte blanche in terms of redrawing the state legislative map, which they already were going to be able to do, but also the U.S. House maps. In that situation, Republicans actually may be able to better their position in 2022, even if there's a more neutral sort of uh, a national wave, neither for nor against the Biden administration in the midterm. Because like, take for example, Dallas County, right now I think we're, there are 14 seats and we're down to two Republicans. Now, I, you know, I, you, know, you don't have to be a genius map maker to be able to draw at least two or three more districts in Dallas County that will be reliably Republican. And I would, I would firmly expect to see someone like Will Douglas or Luisa de Rosal running in 2022, but with much more friendly designed districts that will aid their potential victory. And Mark, with the Section 5 provisions and the pre-clearance provisions in the Voting Rights Act gone, right. uh, there's not a lot of, I mean, they can still sue, right? But there, there are not a lot of automatic protections against what Democrats will perceive as a bad redistricting map or a map that discriminates against minority voters. No, not at all. So, you know, with the end of Shelby v. Holder in 2013, Texas no longer needs to seek pre-clearance for its maps. And that's crucial because before Texas always had to prove to either the Department of Justice or the Federal District Court in the District of Columbia that their maps did not discriminate against uh, the ability of African-Americans, Latinos to elect candidates of their choice. Now the burden is going to be flipped. And you, if they didn't get that approval, the maps were, wouldn't be able to be implemented and the courts would have to do it. 
So now the maps will be implemented. Now Democrats can certainly sue, and I certainly expect them to sue. Right. But if the burden of proof now falls on Democrats to prove that Republicans are intentionally undermining the ability of African Americans and Latinos to elect candidates of, of their choice, and that's a lot tougher burden to prove. And so, and it takes time. So at least, you know, assuming that there's no delays with the census data and the whole redistricting process. Republicans should actually be better off in terms of their districts in 2022 than they were in 2020, because in 2020, we're at the end of the redistricting cycle. So the districts that were drawn back at the start of the decade uh, have changed due to demographic changes and partisan changes. Now Republicans will be able to reconfigure uh, all those maps based on the most recent data, which should help them rather than hurt them. So in places like Dallas County, they should be where they were a little aggressive or greedy back in 2011. Uh, this time around, they can probably just by being cautious boost their number of seats in the in the state house by two or three. And Tarrant County is probably going. Tarrant County Republicans are going to have a choice on their hands. That is, do they want to try to protect all of their seats, or are they willing to give up one of them to make all of the others far more secure? That, that assumes Tarrant County doesn't get an additional seat, which is always possible. Mark Jones, appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Especially after this busy week. <laughs> Thanks to Representative Matt Kraus, Judge Clay Jenkins, and Mark Jones for joining us this week. Stay up to date with everything Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.